All right, one week down and a bunch more to go to this the start of this NBA season. We've already got a lot to talk about at the start of this week. What are your what's your reaction so far? Your quick reaction to this first week, Sean? I love it. I'm so happy basketball is back, man. It felt like a really long time, even though it was only a few months. The offseason being as crazy as it was really helped everything come together, but man, there's been some excitement. Yeah, so you already know it's me, Alan, and Sean back on the mic to talk about the NBA for our Dwight Chocolate Podcast. So quickly, let's just we'll share our thoughts on opening night with Lakers versus Clippers, and that's where we were. Um, what did you think of that game, Sean? Um, well, as a Clipper fan, primarily it was really awesome, but unfortunately for many, many, many people there, it was a horrible game, yourself included. Yeah, and we saw people leaving as early as like right before the third quarter ended. It was just it was really sad to see. I, even as a Clipper fan, I enjoy watching them blow out their opponents. But when it's opening night, you just want to see a really good, exciting game that goes all the way down to the finish. And that definitely did not happen. It was just a clean blowout for the Clippers. Yeah, the Lakers looked horrible. They they didn't really look like much of a professional team, to tell you the truth. There was missed layups here. There was turnovers followed by turnovers. It was pretty clear the Clippers were going to win this game Like by the start of the second quarter. Ingram looked horrible, shooting 3 for 15. I mean, it looked like the Lakers were barely going to even score 90 points, which they ended up getting 92, but <laughs> almost yeah, not, because... not very much. Yeah, it was almost because the Clippers just took the foot off the off the gas, but... But they did make up for it um, with this victory over the Washington Wizards, despite Huge. all the Twitter, the, yeah, despite all the Twitter drama that was going back and forth, and the no mercy claims that they're going to show Lonzo Ball. Still, the Lakers came out with a one hundred two ninety nine overtime win. Um, my for my first thoughts on this is, wow, I can't believe the Lakers actually won this. And second is, I can't believe the the Washington Wizards allowed this to happen to them. I mean, they're they're trying to be a serious Eastern Conference contender and they lose to the Los Angeles Lakers in a game that I felt they could have put away really early. I mean, the, the Lakers had no answer for John Wall and Bradley Beal at the start of the beginning, especially on the pick and roll. But somehow they let them linger. And like they say, any day, any time in the regular season, despite how horrible a team may be, they can still come back and win against even serious contenders if you let them linger long enough. Oh, totally. I mean, the, the saying is, it's the NBA, you know? Like, mm-hmm. guys, they're all NBA basketball players at the end of the day, even the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Yeah, you just you, you can't let up on a team. And I think I know this better than anyone being a Clippers fan because the Clippers are notorious for letting trash teams beat them pretty handily. Uh, at least from my perspective. Might be a little biased, but... Yeah. Yeah, you just can't give up. And I think the team really rallied around the fact that the Twitterverse was expecting them to get bullied in this game. Yeah. Expecting them to just get blown back by John Wall. And the yeah. had an undefeated record going into this game. And you're like, wow, these guys look really good this year. And then mm-hmm. it just goes to show, like, you play with a lot of heart, anything can happen. Yeah, and the, the whole Twitter drama was kind of laughable to me in that, I mean, I don't really make, I don't want to make a big deal. I don't think it's a big deal. Um, but what I do think is kind of, kind of seems like a big deal is that John Wall and Marshawn Gortat will, will tweet this no mercy tweet out to the Los Angeles Lakers. I think this goes to show 
the Wizards, they need to save that type of stuff for real opponents and just come out and play some basketball, man. Like, I think maybe that's part of the reason why they lost this game. Maybe they came in here thinking this was going to be an easy victory and they let this team linger thinking they're just going to close them out in the fourth quarter. But the and the Lakers showed some heart. Julius Randle was not playing very well towards the beginning of this game. And then he closed out that fourth quarter with some great defensive um, effort. I mean, he shot that that three-pointer at the top of the key. Um, then Brandon Ingram comes here shooting a gutsy pull-up from the from the free throw line. <laughs> right, yeah. As, and then he makes that that ridiculous putback uh, to send this game into overtime. That was unbelievably is, lucky. Yes, I agree. I totally agree. And, and also that speaks again to why if you're a serious team, you've got to put these um, these wins, these teams that you're supposed to win against pretty early or because you set yourself up for ridiculous things like what happened last night to happen to you. Brandon Ingram, out of control layup, and then all of a sudden the ball gets right back into his hands and he puts that back in to send it into overtime. Yeah, man, what a game. But all luck and craziness aside, I thought it was interesting that Luke Walton stuck with this lineup of Lonzo, KCP, Ingram, Kuzma, and Lopez for mm-hmm. almost like the end of the regulation period and for the entirety of overtime didn't make one substitution. Uh, yeah. You think about this lineup, not, not including guys like Jordan Clarkson, who I thought should have been a closer on this team. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Like not including him in this lineup. I, I agree with you. It's, it's really surprising, but at the same time, if I, I understand why Luke Walton w- went with this lineup, I mean, the Lakers are look, are searching for an identity um they're not winning games some i mean despite them getting this w uh ingram uh lonzo ball kuzma some of these dudes have not been having all that good games and i think it you need to shuffle the lineup and experiment with some stuff and hey these guys were playing good towards the end of that game so why not keep rolling on it and i think it speaks highly to luke walton and how much he picked up from phil jackson a little bit because phil jackson would kind of put some faith in these lineups despite them turning the ball over or losing games at times like he would still have faith because there was something there that he saw that he believed in and Luke Walton might have seen this lineup play really well in practice and he felt like it was only a matter of time before it translated well into a game and it translated really well I mean Kyle Kuzma hit a big three uh, to get that win Brooke Lopez made some good efforts uh Lonzo Ball put the ball in the right places. Brandon Ingram finally, like I said, finally had a gutsy offensive performance because he has been struggling since the last three games since the start of this season. And Lonzo Ball, too. I mean, let's not give him too much offensive praise. Outside yeah. of that Phoenix Suns game, he has not been looking, he has not been shooting that ball really well, well at all. I mean, here's a quick stat. The last four games, he's been shooting 31% from the field, 59, 55% from the free throw line. Ugh. But he's averaging nine rebounds and nine assists. So what he can do well, he's doing well. But hopefully the scoring starts coming to him after yeah. this game. I think that's something you can teach, though, too. It's like you can learn to be a better scorer, but that vision that he has and that length that he has just to be able to grab those rebounds, that's something you can't teach. So I think it's really good that we're seeing this part of his game really actually coming to fruition, uh, mm-hmm. expected from him, and maybe... One day, maybe next year, maybe a few years down the road, he develops his jump shot, doesn't shoot it like a weirdo. Yeah. Yeah, maybe um, he becomes the next Jason kid. I don't know, but I like what I see so far. Yeah, I yeah, I was I'm glad we recorded this podcast after this game because I was actually pretty pretty angry about how 
sort of people were like praising Lonzo Ball for that great game he had in Phoenix because I was thinking like you guys are all forgetting the fact that he has not been playing well at all outside of that Phoenix Suns game, turning the ball over, shooting horribly. I mean, that free throw percentage is way too low for, for a guy who's a point guard. But I think he's he's going through the learning curve. He had a good he had a solid game. I would say solid because he still shot two for eleven. But like you mentioned, yeah, the scoring will come as he adjusts more to the NBA style of game. Um, if anything, I'm really more happy for Brandon Ingram. I think Brandon Ingram had showed guts and he hasn't shied away from the challenge despite I mean, fans are fans on Twitter are lighting him up, <laughs> telling him to stop pulling up, stop like run the like swing that ball back out to Clarkson or to Kuzma, but he's stuck with it. Um, he's playing within himself, and maybe this is a good starting point for this young team and see if they develop some momentum going forward from here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I totally agree. I think it's really cool to see Brandon Ingram not being afraid to take these last shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was watching, I was like, wait, Ingram's the guy that they're going to trust with this final shot? And I mean, he stepped up, got a little lucky, but hey, he stepped up. And he continued to do so in overtime, too. So it was really cool to see, like, maybe this guy, he, there is something special there. Maybe uh, it, it is good that they went with him. Um, so they got, they got me. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, I had doubts. And I'm sure there's a lot of Laker fans out there that had doubts, too. But this was a good game. And I hope it's only the beginning of something else. I mean, up to this point, he's averaging 15.8 points uh, off 42% shooting. So that field goal percentage you wish would go up a little bit more. But at 15.8, if he, he needs to increase that slightly if the Lakers want to get some Ws. Because right now, they're still struggling to score points. I mean, when you look at the final score for this game to have gone to overtime, and it and the final score being 102.99, uh, there's, there's some question marks there. Because uh, I don't, I mean, the Washington Wizards are not a perennial defensive team, and the Lakers are by far away from that. So <laughs> right. for the score to be that low, I mean, I think the Wizards had a bad scoring scoring night or shooting night, and I think the Lakers, this is their weakness right now. They got to get more points on the board. Um, we need more production from Ingram, Clarkson, Randall. Lonzo balls, some of those shots need to start going in. Yeah, luckily it's a long season. Yeah. So moving on from there, I didn't think we'd ever really talk about this team on this podcast. <laughs> and that's the land of the sun, Eric Bledsoe, who says he wants out of the Phoenix Suns. What's your reaction to this, uh, uh, Sean? Well, so what happened was after Earl Watson gets fired after just three games into the season... Granted, they were very abysmal games. Lost every game by at least 30 points, I believe it was. And then you get Eric Bledsoe tre- tweeting, I don't want to be here, which everyone just blows up about. And mm-hmm. he had a meeting with the GM, and apparently he's like, oh, no, I was at a hair salon. Like, I didn't want to be at the hair salon. GM's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not buying that. Yeah. So, yeah, now he's been benched, and they're not going to play him. And they're looking at a bunch of trade options, and it'll be interesting to see what they can get for him. Yeah. Uh, right now, it looks like the early candidates to land him are the Knicks, the Bucks, and the Nuggets. Uh, they have a few trade assets they could give Phoenix, but yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I think the Cavs, the Cavs need to go for this guy. You need to get rid of that Brooklyn pick before you start realizing the Brooklyn Nets are actually a playoff team in the Eastern Conference. Oh, snap. <laughs> Could we have predicted that all wrong? I, it's possible. I mean, look at this team. They're playing 
they're playing their lights out. And without D'Angelo Russell, they got that win against the Cavaliers yesterday. But before we talk about that, let's keep talking about Eric Bledsoe. I mean, yeah, the Cavaliers, I say you make the, you try to make this trade. Um, Derek Rose is injured. Isaiah Thomas out till January. Uh, I mean, Derek Rose could follow that same pattern of injured in and injured again. So I think Eric Bledsoe is no, is a no brainer, good option for that team. Yeah, the question I'm is, sure that pick that they got from the net for like the Nets pick is mm-hmm. pretty enticing, even though it seems like now the Nets pick might not be as good as everyone thought it would be. Yeah, that's the thing. And I I mean, it's very possible that the uh, Brooklyn Nets are a playoff team. I mean, considering how weak that conference is and they might just surprise everybody. So if I'm the Cavs, I think I trade that before any more time goes by and we start seeing that uh, realize itself. Um, it might even so be too he, late. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it all just, I guess it would depend on what uh, what the Suns are looking for and what everybody else is offering. Um, I think one realistic package here is the Bucks package of Jabari Parker or Chris Middleton alongside Matthew Dillardanova and maybe a pick um, to the Suns to get to get Eric Bledsoe. I mean, I, I could see that Jabari Parker. He's injured, yeah, but he's still a young prospect you can pair up with your other young guys. Chris Middleton, a solid scorer. Um, who's only seems to only be getting better. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few pieces the Bucks could uh, include. I mean, even uh, Malcolm Brogdon, you have to include him in that conversation, uh, budding young point guard. Uh, so it could be just be a point guard swap. Maybe both would just be happier in each in those different scenarios. But mm-hmm. um, I would love to see him in a Clipper uniform again. Yeah, it would be very poetic just returning right when Chris Paul leaves to become the starting point guard. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's just a little unfortunate, a little bad timing on Eric Bledsoe's part. And maybe it's just bad timing on the Suns part because I feel like they should have they should have seen this coming. I mean, the Phoenix Suns should have tried to get something out of Eric Bledsoe during the summer. Um, And now you do this because if you if you really think about it, a lot of the free agents that were signed can't be traded until December or January. So, right. I mean, you already lessen your, your trade pool there. Um, so it could, it's very well possible that we might see Eric Bledsoe continue to get um, DMPs until, until the winter time. You know, what's interesting though, that I find in all of this is that ever since they've benched Eric Bledsoe, they've won. Two <laughs> straight. Uh, uh Yeah. <laughs> kudos to the phoenix suns there like i mean yeah obviously it could be because earl watson is gone but i mean both both of those things happen earl watson's fired eric bledsoe sits suns have won two in a row yeah i i mean i'm not it's like i don't really think it's correlated but it's good for the suns to get something at least they now can move forward knowing that this is their true lineup the Devin Booker's, Josh Jackson's of the world. I mean, Tyson Chandler, I guess. Tyson Chandler seems to be content being there despite being the older guy. But I guess it, it becomes easier. It gives you a peace of mind moving forward that there, Eric Bledsoe's not going to be there. So you can go ahead and establish your lineups and establish um, some sort of team chemistry moving forward. Yeah, definitely. And it'll be really exciting to see where Bledsoe lands. I hope that he lands with a good contender. I want to see him in the playoffs. I agree. He's a talented player, and it's sort of a shame that we've been robbed of him uh, for what seems a couple years now. He was injured for a while. Uh, the Suns shut him down last year, and this year, I mean, he's kind of like on a crappy team, so you don't he doesn't really get much of a spotlight. And, I mean, I also wanted to touch on the Suns organization as a whole that's just been a lot of 
has had a lot of dysfunction with them ever since Steve Nash parted parted with that franchise. Um, and I mean, I feel like the Suns sort of conclude this chapter here with the, the end of their search for the next uh, Steve Nash or, or superstar point guard. So ever since Steve Nash left, they had Goran Dragic, who looked like he was promising. And then for whatever reason, then they, they, they added Eric Bledsoe. And then they signed Isaiah Thomas. Oh, they um, were so close with him. Yeah, so who knows for what reason they had three point guards. Obviously, that upset Goran Dragic, who asked for a trade. Didn't like the way he was treated. He was traded away. And then that same season, uh, the Suns decided to trade Isaiah Thomas, who eventually (laughs) became an MVP candidate. Oh, man. Uh, And they got Brandon Knight and returned another young point guard, who up to this point has not really been able to play for them due to injuries um, and just falling falling out of the lineup. And now they're going to lose Eric Bledsoe. So... There's maybe, the end to that chapter. They might pick up Malcolm Brogdon, another point guard, if they're able to trade with the Bucks. So point guard shuffles just seems like it's going to continue. That's true. Yep, very well possible. Um, and then moving on here, down. Oh, let's go over to the 76ers with what the hell is going on with Markel <laughs> Fultz? Oh, big trouble, man. So the, really. Yeah, despite the franchise having some some promising things in terms of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid playing. They're playing really well out there. Uh, Markel Fultz, their number one pick, is just... What the hell's going on with him, man? Like, his form is terrible. No one knows. Is he injured? Is he not injured? For anyone listening to this podcast, if you have not seen Markel Fultz shoot a free throw, you need to YouTube that right now. It is the (laughs) most absurd-looking form I've ever seen. And I can probably make more free throws than him because of how ridiculous it is and i could probably shoot like 30 percent. yeah i wonder if at that i wonder if he's like better off just trying to try it granny style now or something he like should. that i think andre roberson <laughs> tried that for a while didn't work out for him either but yeah like faults he's been coming off the bench jared bayless has been starting for him and i think there's just been more to that shoulder injury than they told us at first um, his agent said that his fluid fluid was taken from his shoulder recently, and I I don't know will he ever be the same player? I just don't know the extent of this injury. Yeah, I mean everybody's kind of confused, but here's a quick timeline that I outlined, sort of like trying to get this all organized so that even I could understand this. So let's so October twenty fourth, um, Markel Fultz agent Raymond Brothers says that Fultz is dealing with a shoulder injury, and that's why he has the weird form. He says. He's injured, so injured that he cannot raise his arms. Okay, that sounds really bad. Really bad. Let, you need to raise your yeah. arms. <laughs> yeah. And then the agent says that fluid was taken from the shoulder and then later contradicts that with a tweet to Woe saying that actually fluid was injected into his shoulder in the form of a cortisone shot. Ooh. And then, so then it gets even weirder. So the 76ers uh, GM says that the reason he's playing is because there is there's not been any reason for him not to play. He's been medically cleared and Markel Fultz has expressed that he wants to play, that he wants to help the 76ers team. Well, if he can't raise his arms and getting, and is getting cortisone shots, I think that raises some questions, but let's go on. October 25th, they announced that Markel Fultz is out for at least three games with right shoulder soreness. Okay. So then 76ers, Brian 
Colangelo speculates that soreness is a result of Markov Fultz changing his shooting form. So kind of deters the story in order and blames Markel Fultz that that's why the right shoulder is injured. However, this is another turning point. <laughs> Fultz's trainer, Keith William, who he works with over the summer, says that the shot was never changed, or at least prior to the shoulder injury or there being any shoulder pain. Uh. Says he's a great he's a great shooting point guard. There haven't been many point guards who shot the ball as well as him coming out of college off the dribble and off the catch. I never changed the shot. Why would I? Wow. And then later that day, um, 76ers coach Brett Brown was asked about it, and he says there is zero doubt Markel tried to change his shot. He wanted to change his shot and worked on it over the summer. Well, the head trainer heard the radio interview and reacted (laughs) and said that that's not a change shot at all. That's something that's been altered because of the injury. So there's sort of confusion in in a blame game going on here between 76ers, uh, Markel Fultz's team, and... The truth is, uh, Markel Fultz seems to be injured, and that shot doesn't look right. And whatever that reason is, is apparently unknown up to this point. So, what what do you, what's your take on this? What do you believe to be the actual truth in what's going on with him right now? It's hard to say because it seems like there's there's sort of contradictions going back and forth on both sides. But my gut feeling tells me that Markel Fultz is injured and he needs to sit out and he needs to let that right shoulder heal. I think he's kind of he's young. Um, he's got people telling him, pressuring him to play, and he's or he's also listening to the fans. I mean, he's the number one pick. Why would you not want to come out um, and play? You got a good team and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So I think Markel Fultz is genuinely injured, um, and I think he just he's trying too hard. He's trying to play the game and. He altered his. He did alter his shot in order to be out there, and it's obviously not working out for him. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a. It's a young guy mistake to make. It's a rookie mistake mm-hmm. to make because you have a lot of pride coming in as the number one pick. You have so many expectations on your shoulders. And like you said, you want to play to please the fans, to please your teammates, to sh- prove to everyone that you're worthy of the number one pick ahead of Lonzo Ball, who's getting all this hype and is actually mm-hmm. is healthy. And then, so you, tr- you try to alter your shocker. You're like, I'll just compensate by doing this. And when you try to do it, you're like, well, obviously this isn't working, but I'm going to keep playing. I'm not going to tell people that I'm injured because I don't want people thinking I'm weak. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you just, you have to take the time off. You ha- got to let it heal. You see what guys like Ben Simmons do, Blake Griffin do. You sit out your entire first year and you know it sucks, but your NBA, if you want your NBA career to be long, you have to be willing to take the sacrifices that you need to make sure you're playing at the top of your game. And I think that's what Markel Fultz needs to do right now, is just take as much time as he needs. We want to see him playing at 100%. We don't want him coming back 80% being like, I can play, but I'm not going to be there like as the player that you drafted me to be. And that could haunt him for the rest of his career if he continues to try to do that. And, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go up. No, go if you're just... Well, on a separate point, I just think this is so sad to see the 76ers organization contradicting themselves, too, because mm-hmm. you just see a lot of miscommunication even amongst the training staff to the coaches, to the GM. Like, no one really knows what's going on. Uh, when you're talking yeah. about running a NBA organization at the highest level, the highest professional level that this sport can go, you can't afford to have these miscommunications about the guys that matter most for your team. This is only going to hurt them in the long run, and they haven't uh, they haven't gotten a good start out of the gates either. So 
it's just yeah none of it is good it's all red red flags for me yeah i agree with you 100 percent it's it speaks to uh the organization the 76ers as you said i mean markel fultz is 19 years old so he is making a rookie mistake here um a young a young man's mistake and i think the 76ers as an organization should be protecting their number one asset um well i mean this should be this should be their highest priority I mean, if you look at the way they've treated Joel Embiid up to this point, they've been protecting the guy. Um, they gave him this huge contract, and they're keeping all eyes on him at all times. So I, I'm confused why they're not doing this with Markel Fultz as well. Um, and probably speaks to what you mentioned. Maybe there's a lot of miscommunication, and it, it looks bad on the 76ers' part. Oh, totally, yeah. Yeah, so I hope that gets resolved there. But going from there markel fultz has obviously not been a great pick for fantasy players out there <laughs> luckily i did not have him on my fantasy team but my fantasy team is doing really solid i'll tell you why d'angelo russell has been playing solid yeah man for me. your steal of the draft right there you called it before we drafted and it's been paying off so far but he did get hurt recently so that's a little mm-hmm. unfortunate he'll miss a few games but yeah he'll continue to tear it up yeah, I do too. Tobias Harris as well has been picking up. So everybody out there, uh, if you chose Tobias Harris, and you know what I'm talking about. I doubt he's on any. He's up for waiver pickup. Um, at this point, I haven't had any any surprise waiver pickup. I haven't had to change my team, luckily. And his Cantor had a big game, and Dwight Howard's bringing down boards like a boss. <laughs> yeah, I uh, so I drafted Miles Turner, and then I I traded Scott because Scott would not stop bugging me about trading for Russell Westbrook. He's like, man, you have to trade me Russell Westbrook. I'm like, fine, whatever. This is all for fun anyway, even though we have a buy-in, but it's all for fun. <laughs> I traded him Russell Westbrook and Andrew Wiggins for Mike Conley and Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis got hurt. So mm. I've had Miles Turner and Anthony Davis hurt. And I've yeah, I've just been getting no points from those power forward positions at all. That's been hurting me a little bit. Yeah, injuries suck, especially in the fantasy world. But uh, what about Mike Conley? You've had Mike Conley. How's he been? He's decent. He's very consistent. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the Grizzlies themselves have been looking really good to start the season, and Mike Conley's a big reason for that. Um, but he's never going to get you those like crazy 50-point games or anything because he's just a really consistent guy, and he doesn't take over a game like a guy like Russell Westbrook would get yeah flashy triple doubles and all that but he's solid he he's a nice consistent guy to have on a fantasy team i think that's what you want yeah anyways well another big headline here are something that i noted is the minnesota timberwolves who have not also despite that uh that buzzer beating win over oklahoma city thunder they actually haven't been doing as well as most people predicted they would they've given up 122 points in a loss against the pistons and 130 points in a loss against the pacers and jimmy Oof. butler is currently out with an upper rep, rep respiratory infection Eesh. so i mean are the timberwolves the real deal they're currently at two and three um, they have the worst defensive efficiency. Their opponents average 41 point, 41% shooting against them and 52% shooting um, from the field and 41, sorry, so 41% from three and 52% from the field. Um, Timberwolves, are they, <laughs> are they actually the real deal? Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is one of those teams, they changed their lineup pretty significantly uh, from last year to this year that... They're just going to need a lot of time to figure out what works for them. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Similar to how the Cavs have struggled early this season, uh, trying to figure out how those pieces are all going to fit together. And injuries do play a significant part. Jimmy Butler being out is definitely a significant injury for them. But mm-hmm. as far as the defense goes, I kind of saw this coming. I mean, alluding yeah. to Andrew Wiggins being the worst defender in the entire NBA. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns isn't much better. You, you mm-hmm. expect him to be, but he's really just a grit offensive threat. Um, and, I mean, what, Jamal Crawford going to give you some defense? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they just they have a lot of work to do, but I think that they'll still sneak into the playoffs, maybe not as high as we expected them to, maybe mm-hmm. from an eighth seed at this point. Yeah, I agree. And I was definitely somebody that was really jumping up and down about this team. I thought Jimmy Butler was going to be a difference maker. I mean, obviously, it's still too early, so it is very well possible that they pick up some thunder. But at this point, I mean, these their, their problems defensively are problems that aren't new in terms of Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. So therefore, it seems like it's going to take some time before this the, these things get figured out. And it's surprising with a coach from with them being coached by Tom Thibodeau, who's a big defensive minded guy um, with the Boston Celtics. I mean, they were, they were one of the top defenses all, every single year as when he was an assistant there, especially this. And then the Chicago bulls as well. I mean, with Derek Rose and Carlos Boozer, I mean, they weren't really the offensive perennial threat in the NBA. They were more of the defensive threat um, during those years. So it's surprising that, that the Timberwolves are, doing this terrible i mean hopefully they figure something out or else like you said they're probably gonna end up being the eighth seed in the playoffs i mean worst comes to worst maybe they're gonna be outside looking in yeah i mean i think it's a little early to say all these things i mean this is all we have to go off of so Mm -hmm. obviously we can talk about it this way but i don't know i think they definitely have a lot to work on and it's a long season so i think we'll see them improve but how much they improve will be interesting to see. Yeah. Okay. Let's head over to some quick thoughts of some quick little news news snippets that have also been occurring in the NBA. So here we go with Dwayne Wade telling Tyron Lue that he wants to come off the bench now. Um, My reaction to this is I saw this coming. I'm glad Dwayne Wade recognized this pretty quickly before it became sort of a team team drama issue. Uh, The reality is Dwayne Wade struggles nowadays. He doesn't really have the hop that he used to. He's never really been that great of a shooter. And I think playing alongside LeBron James, you need to surround him with shooters. And that's been the most, that's where LeBron James has been most successful. And J.R. Smith's going to be that guy. Uh, Surely doesn't mean Dwayne Wade can't close out games in the fourth quarter. But I think we'll we'll go. This will be um, a lineup change going forward. And we might see more of these also further into the season. Yeah. I I mean, I actually didn't see this coming. I, I don't know. I thought oh. Dwayne Wade still had some juice left in the tank. I mean, last year he still had a pretty decent year. I mean, it was definitely a regression, obviously, from the prime of his career. But I thought he could still ball. But, I mean, the age is definitely telling. This mm-hmm. especially. Uh, I didn't expect that this early in the season. But I think this will be a good move for him. Uh, it takes a lot of pressure off of him uh, being in the starting lineup and I think that's really good to have a guy with that much experience coming off the bench to really help those guys out when the second unit comes in. And mm-hmm. Smith is happy now because he gets to start. He was all sad about that before, but yeah, everyone gets their wish now. Yeah, and I mean, I think this plays a lot. This, sh- I mean, J.R. Smith should take advantage of this. I, uh, he just had a Hall of Famer say that J.R. Smith could have a spot, so I think J.R.'s got to take advantage of this and help this Cavalier team that's a little um 
it's a little that's left that doesn't have all the full pieces right now at the moment and is struggling a little bit uh, without Derek Rose and Isaiah Thomas and also Dwayne Wade himself. But I also think this move speaks highly of Dwayne Wade. I think it shows that he, this is a guy who who cares about winning, um, yeah. and you can figure that out just looking at his track record. And he makes the moves that are necessary. Um, he makes the right basketball moves because this is exactly what this is. This is this is an ego thing. This is a basketball move. Dwayne Wade recognized that for the Cavaliers to win, um, in terms of X's and O's, it'd be better if he came off the bench. Yeah, I totally respect that. I've always respected Dwayne Wade. He's such a good mm-hmm. dude. Yeah. So here we go with your your stat that you put here, Sean. <laughs> this is actually really surprising. Yeah. I did not know this. Yeah, so DeAndre Jordan and Andre Drummond actually started the season 10 for 10 from the free throw line. DeAndre wow. went 4 for 4. Drummond went 6 for 6. Uh, but all good things must come to an end. They they both went back to sucking at free <laughs> But it was really exciting for like one or two games to see that they're actually like, hey, these guys have been working on it, but maybe not as much as we thought. Yeah, so that at one point they had a better free throw percentage. Well, I mean, most people right now have a better free throw percentage than Lonzo Ball. Yeah. They also had a, <laughs> a better free throw percentage than LeBron James. Yeah, I, I heard that he's his last goal for his NBA career to get is to get his free throw shooting to eighty <laughs> percent. I did see that. That's pretty laughable. I mean, I think this guy's got to at least pursue one more ring. That's got to be his number one goal. Oh well, yeah, that too. But I mean, as, I guess as far as stats go, it's like. He gets all the stats, but he ha- he has been historically bad at free throws for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, he has. Um, I mean, yeah, that's something that people have always pegged him on, especially because he he's a guy that you have in there in the fourth quarter. So uh, there's been some times where he's he's had missed free throws in in, in crunch time. Yeah, like against the Nets. That's why they mm-hmm. the Nets. They were down 109-107. LeBron's at the line. He misses the first free throw. Is it forced to miss the second one too, or else they're not going to get the ball back? Yeah. And yeah, man. I don't know, man. That's a that's an issue right there for Mr. LeBron James. But anyways, back to the Cavaliers. So Derrick Rose and Dwayne Wade are are injured. <laughs> are we surprised here? I mean, is well, this going to be a continuing trend? Yeah. Um, I mean, this kind of has forced LeBron James to play at point guard where he's actually been putting on some ridiculous numbers despite being 33 years old now. Um, He's averaging 27.6 points, 61% field goal shooting, and nine assists. He's pretty close to that triple-double right now, or at least that triple-double average. What do you think, man? I saw this quote that he said. He's like, yeah, ever since I was a kid, I could play every position. I knew how to play every position from point guard to center. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, he's probably right, but that's really cocky of him to say. <laughs> it's like, I can yeah. do anything. I'm I'm the greatest. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have a hard time being angry at him, at least in terms of, of him, me thinking he's arrogant or something, because, I mean, it's true. LeBron James is one hell of a player. Um, and I think this right here, this situation that they're in, speaks highly to why they need to get rid of that Brooklyn Nets pick and get that get a point guard. Um, I mean, they've been dealing with issues in terms of backup point guards since they lost Matthew Della de Nova. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought that Kyrie. that loss would have hurt He's them? He's played a lot of minutes, but yeah, I don't know. Would you trust Matthew Della de Nova to really run the point? No, probably not. But, what, but all I'm trying to say is like the Cavs have just been 
for nixing point guard after point guard while that being their biggest hole uh, and they just got rid of Kyrie Irving so you don't have him you don't have a decent backup point guard so now you you got LeBron James um so Cavs trade that Brooklyn pick or else your three and two record might end up becoming a little bit um less appealing to look at in a couple weeks yeah Isaiah Thomas can't come back soon enough for them yep I agree so here we go so the first week has brought some big surprises. The first one being the grit and grind Memphis Grizzlies that despite losing Tony Allen still continue that identity and have started a undefeated record of 3-0 and even although actually they just lost to the Cavs yesterday. Or to the Mavs. To the Mavs. Yeah, to the Mavs yesterday. But then in an unlikely, really weird back-to-back, they just beat them earlier today. Yeah, so how now often does that happen where you play the same team two days in a row? Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. But scheduling. they got the revenge. Yeah. yeah. Dude, Coach Viz, we totally doubted him. We doubted the Grizzlies. We're like, you know, they should just trade Marcus all away. They should blow it up. They're, they have no chance of making the playoffs. And then they come out. They beat the Warriors. They beat the Rockets. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We man, I thought I thought we were gonna be pretty spot on our predictions at the start of the season, but. This is why you play the games, and this is why we watch them. This is why we love the NBA so much. You just never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I I am really surprised by this, but I think a lot of it just has to do. Marcus Sol has been playing really well. Mike Conley is just playing as well as ever, um, and these are guys that just don't want to lose. They don't want to fall into the level of mediocrity in the NBA. And I mean, if they keep it up, then yeah, maybe the Memphis can sneak into this. I mean, they're not contenders, surely not. But surely, I I I can't see it, man. <laughs> you I cannot see it. Jamichael Green, you got uh, beat up Mario Chalmers as your backup guard. He's been playing this, pretty well though. He's had some good he, games. He has, but the way this Western Conference is, how competitive it is, I cannot see them being anywhere near the top seven. They're the eighth seed at best. We'll see, um, man. I I gotta believe in my boy Coach Fizdale at this point, man. He. He knows how to coach a team. This young guy, I forget how old he is. I think he's like early 40s, but he's getting it done. Yeah, I will say credit to him. a long way. Yeah, he's definitely been inspiring this team to continue fighting. Um, and, I mean, they've established this identity for a couple of years now. They're a huge defensive team. They definitely don't have any huge offensive weapons. No guy out there averaging more than 25 points. They got Mike Conley and Marcus Saul, but... They're just, they play defense and they play it right. They play with effort. Um, and when you play like that, I guess you can steal, you can steal some wins even against some serious contenders like the Warriors and the Rockets. Yeah. Early season too. Like mm-hmm. even take them any time to warm up into it. They just, they're just going after it. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this actually, if the, if the Grizzlies are to become serious contenders, it will be because Chandler Parsons somehow finds uh, the fountain of youth and rejuvenates himself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've been looking at some box scores. I haven't actually seen him play. Uh, I don't know, maybe you've seen a game uh, from the Grizzlies. But I mean, he hasn't been putting up much in the box score. But maybe maybe he's doing well in defense. I'm not really sure. But he, he's playing at least, which is a huge plus. Yeah, that is a huge plus. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I've looked at the box scores. I've watched a little bit of some games, but Chandler Parsons is definitely not the reason for this hot start for this team. It's just been the young guys. Young guys, Mario Chalmers playing pretty well off the bench. Mike Conley and Marcus Saul just putting in the effort and getting some defensive stops. 
and so frustrating I, the hell out of some teams. Yeah. So, but I think the most surprising start to the season so far, the Orlando Magic. Yeah. I, I, I got. I don't know if I have to take back the Scrub Squad nickname yet. I feel like I'm pretty close to having to take that away. But taking it to the Cavs, starting off three and one, leading the Eastern Conference right now. Mm-hmm. Nikola Vucevic, man, where the heck yeah. did this guy come from? I have no idea. Right now, he may very well be the best center in the league right now. At least he's playing with it. Uh, Hassan Whiteside has, has, has only played the first game, so you got to take him out of the equation. But through the first four games, I'd say this guy has been looking like he's the number one center in the NBA. Yeah, he put up a 40-pointer, I think it was, the other day. I'm like, how could this guy score 40 points? I've barely even heard his name before. Yeah, uh, they got weapons. I mean, Evan Fournier has been having some great games as well. And this is a guy that I absolutely hated last year (laughs) because I had him in fantasy and the dude got so many opportunities. He got the minutes, but he could just not put the ball in uh, and he turnovers and missed shots. But this year he's those shots are going in and it just goes to show that some dudes just need a little bit more work and a little bit more time. Um, I I think the question here is though, do we think that this is a fluke or do we think that this team actually makes the playoffs? Oh, it's it's tough to say. I I I want to lean that it's a fluke. Uh, I think it's only a matter of time before the before Evan Fournier um, <laughs> stops shooting so well. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. It just like I don't know. It's like what, the, the magic. I'm just speechless right now. I don't even know mm-hmm. what to think about it. But you do see teams. I I forget what example I could point to in recent years. Just teams get off to a hot start. Then all of a sudden, like they regress back to the mean, and then they do exactly what you'd expect. Uh, yeah, and that's what that's what I expect for the Orlando Magic. Is just still like a pretty mediocre season. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a result of of them just kind of like the Lakers. They just they keep sticking in there, and they keep um, they keep frustrating teams, and they they've been stealing some wins. But I do think it's only a matter of time before the toll of the regular season actually takes uh, falls on them, um, and they'll drop some. They'll drop some L's here and there. Mm-hmm. But good for them, man. They're proving me wrong so far, and I respect that. Yeah. Another surprise here is the San Antonio Spurs are un- are the only undefeated team remaining despite not having Tony Parker or Kawhi Leonard. Uh, wait, wait. Are they the only undefeated team remaining? I need to check a score really quick. Oh. Are they playing right now? Did the Clippers win? The Clippers won tonight. I just checked the score, 104 to 103, still undefeated. Oh, the Clippers are still undefeated. Yep. Oh, wow. That is crazy. Whoa. Yeah. Hey, maybe they, maybe, maybe it was addition by subtraction by getting rid of Chris Paul. Yeah. But, yeah, maybe. to your point, though, the Spurs are still undefeated without Kawhi. Yeah, without Kawhi and Tony Parker. Um, I think a big point of this is uh, Murray, the 21-year-old. This young guy has been coming, has been taking Patty Mills from his starting position and has been averaging 13 points, four assists, nine rebounds, and one steal. Um, And get this crazy stat. Actually, against the Raptors, he had 14 rebounds, which is actually, he's the second youngest guard to ever grab that many rebounds in a game. He's been getting this many rebounds a game? I didn't realize that. This dude has been like 
on fire. This dude's just running around and putting the effort in and just hustling. Um, and it goes to show, and that's how the Spurs have been stealing some wins. Also, LaMarcus Aldridge has finally shown up and decided to be LaMarcus Aldridge and has played some solid games yeah. as well to keep the Spurs undefeated. Yes, um, and when you look and looking ahead, you got the Magic, the Pacers, and the Celtics. So it's very well possible that the, the Spurs continue this undefeated streak, at least for the next week. Yeah, so, so two thoughts I have on this. One about Murray. Man, Popovich keeps doing it, man. I don't mm-hmm. know how he does it. He just turns these guys that you'd never expect to do anything into bona fide like, stars in this league. And it looks like Murray could be that next star in this league, the next great point guard. He's, he's mm-hmm. that way. I mean, it's, it's really early. I don't want to jump to conclusions, but I did not expect this out of him. Like, Popovich continues to impress. And... Two, I think LaMarcus Aldridge is doing awesome. I think that's great. But I think mm-hmm. it's really interesting to see if he can continue doing that when Kawhi Leonard comes back. That's going to be the real test. Is he just going to regress back to being grumpy Aldridge where he just can't play being the second option on the team? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, And we'll see. I mean, there's still no timetable set for Kawhi Leonard. Hopefully we see him soon because... I mean, this leads us here to the way too early conclusions that we can make (laughs) as if he doesn't come back uh, and this MVP race might end up falling into the hands of Giannis and LeBron James. It's it's toss up right now at this point for me. Giannis has been so impressive. mm -hmm. Got here on the stat line, 36.8 points a game, 10.8 rebounds a game, 5.3 assists and 2.3 steals a game. Mm -hmm. 65.9% shooting. Yeah. They're absurd numbers. Oh, yeah. Giannis Antetokounmpo is the real deal, and he's really shown it. I, he just makes some ridiculous plays. I mean, I saw this thing, this breakdown where from the three-point line to get to the free throw, to get to the act, to drive in and lay it up, it only took him like three three steps, and he got there just because of the ridiculous length that he has and the athleticism that he was gifted with. <laughs> right, yeah. I was watching a little bit of the Celtics game tonight. I think you might be alluding to the same thing, but he, he got a steal on the on the defensive end took three dribbles from the opposing team's free throw line and then just took two steps and a layup like yeah ridiculous how fast he can travel down the court mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy but we might very well be watching um the mvp of this league just flourish together i mean giannis not kimbo yeah he's young but it seems like kevin durant's paired up with steph curry russell westbrook's now paired up with paul george and carmelo uh, James Harden's paired up with Chris Paul. Some of these guys, it could well, very well be that their stats fall a little bit, and yeah. it might be set up perfectly for Giannis to take this MVP trophy this year, especially the Bucks are looking well. And, I mean, if the Wizards keep dropping games like they did against the Lakers, maybe the Bucks <laughs> sneak in there and become the third seed of, or the second Even seed second, in the Eastern yeah, Conference. Uh, they did just lose <laughs> to the Celtics tonight, though. So the Celtics are still going to make a uh, – they're, they're going to have their voice be heard here. But mm-hmm. – at this point, is this looking like a two-man MVP race just between Giannis and LeBron? I, to me, it's looking like, I mean, I'm not, I mean, Russell Westbrook is still getting triple doubles, but I do <laughs> yeah. see that slowing down. Once OKC starts figuring their stuff out, I think Russell Westbrook's going to come back to averaging a little, something a little bit more modest. <laughs> yeah, um, right. So unless Kawhi comes back pretty soon and also comes out of the gates um, pretty hot, it could very well fall down to LeBron James and Giannis. Yeah, man, that's crazy. 
Yeah. The two, the top two guys, Westbrook and Harden, we're not even really talking about them mm-hmm. this early in the season. And honestly, I think it's kind of unfair that we're not talking about Russell Westbrook in this conversation at all. I think it's just because we're so used to seeing his ridiculous numbers. Mm-hmm. His triple doubles that he's putting up are just so pedestrian in our minds. It's like, oh, yep, triple double, whatever. <laughs> Call me when you get 42 again. It's like, yeah. The expectations are just so high for him now. I agree. Yeah, it seems a little unfair with him, especially like, at least for me, I'm like assuming that that's going to slow down. But say it doesn't. Yeah, Russell Westbrook, could, why, why is he not in this conversation? You're right. He should be. Yeah, I, yeah, we, we'll put him in there for now. But yeah, as the season goes on, it'll be really interesting to see where all these guys pan out as far as the yeah. race. Mm-hmm. So another way too early conclusion. We were just alluding to this a little bit earlier. We're up, but are the Magic and Nets playoff teams? Are they <laughs> legitimate playoff teams? I can't believe we're even jumping to this conclusion. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but it seems like it could happen. It's the East. Yeah, I I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a no. I think I don't think they're gonna they're gonna go. I think they're just off to a hot start, and I think sooner or later reality is gonna hit them right in the face. Yeah, there's only. So many good games that Spencer DeWeedy has for the Nets. <laughs> I don't even think I'm saying his name right, but you know, yeah. I'm not going to even bother looking it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and on the net side, you got Richard Hollins Jefferson playing really well. Uh, I mean, Trevor Booker playing really well as as well, but D'Angelo Russell's out for a couple games, so I think a lot of these guys are going to come back a little bit more to reality once the season starts going, once travel starts having an effect on some of these right, guys. yeah. Um, and one of some of as also as some of the better teams start figuring their stuff out, I think games will start getting a little bit more competitive and they'll start dropping some some L's. Right. Well, at least as the for the Cavaliers' sake, they gotta hope that the the Nets do at least. <laughs> right, yeah. If the Nets might play the Cavs in the playoffs, the Cavs better look out. <laughs> yeah. To, their, to your travel point though, I think that's a huge point. Like the fatigue. Like they're playing really hard right now with a lot of mm-hmm. energy. And having a guy like Jeremy Lin being out for the season now, unfortunately, like that's an awful injury. I'm so sad about that. But mm-hmm. a guy like that who you're just gonna start for your team is now out for the season. That puts a lot more uh, minutes in for the rest of the guy team. So that's gonna start wearing on them as the season goes on. Yeah, agree. So now back to Philadelphia. Is Ben Simmons the rookie of the year? Is it safe to conclude that or is it just still way too early? I think it's safe to conclude that, man. This guy is almost averaging a triple-double. Yeah. But, like, he's right there. No, Like, no one's playing as well as him in the rookie realm. I mean, Lonzo Ball's having a good year, but as far as numbers go, Ben Simmons just does everything. Yeah, I think this guy's in another league of his of his own. And I mean, this is a pretty talented rookie class, I gotta say. A lot De'Aaron Fox, Dennis Smith Jr., uh Lonzo Ball. A lot of these guys have been playing really well. But Ben Simmons is just on a whole nother level. I don't think it's even close. Uh I'm on the, I'm with you on this one. I think it could very we could very well have already sealed this. Like Ben Simmons might just be the rookie of the year now. Yeah, I mean, as long as he stays healthy, that is. If he doesn't, right. if he ends up not playing half the season, then he won't get it. Kind of like what happened with Joel Embiid last year. But mm-hmm. yeah, as it stands right now, I think that's a very safe conclusion. Yeah, yeah. Out of all of these, this is it. This is the one that I'm leaning more towards. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go breaking down the week. Some of the best performances here. Who will be the winner of the Dwight Chocolate Best Performer of the Week award? <laughs> we got a lot of candidates here. So uh, Giannis. I mean, we got. A, include his name in this uh started off this 
this NBA season on fire uh, against Portland on October 21st, put up 44 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. Getting it done on every stat. Pretty insane. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And Giannis, I mean, he's he's a strong candidate. But what about Lonzo Ball? 29 points, 11 rebounds, and 9 assists against the Phoenix Suns. His one great game out of out of a lot of these mediocre ones. Um, <laughs> and he almost became the youngest player with a triple-double with that fat stat line. Yeah. Uh, Lonzo Ball carried the Lakers to that W. Um, I will say this, though, and I... I, I hate to say this because I definitely want to cheer on everything Lonzo Ball does and the Lakers do, <laughs> but I'm not sure how much this stat line has to do with Lonzo Ball being very, very good or being on this next level and how much it has to do with just how terrible the Phoenix Suns are or especially how terrible they performed that day. Yeah. I mean, he got 29 points, but he did get it off 27, 27 shots, so there is that. Yeah, I think he was really angry about that opening game with the Clippers where Pat Beverly just made him look silly. Mm-hmm. And he just needed to have a little bit of revenge, so he let himself have a little bit of fun there. But yeah, I just I don't see him doing a lot uh, as far as points go the rest of the season, just because he's not a shooter and he doesn't mm-hmm. want to shoot. He wants to distribute. Um, I think that was just him letting out a little bit of anger about that first game and all the flack that he took for that. Yeah, I agree. Um, so then we go to Aaron Gordon um, from the Orlando Magic. 41 points, 14 rebounds, 5 for 5 on 3-point shooting versus the Brooklyn Nets. This one stood out That's for sure. insane, yeah. I mean, we talked about Aaron Gordon being one of those guys that had a lot to prove this year. Mm-hmm. And, man, he's proven it so far. He's had some solid games. And, I mean, this Orlando Magic team is trending upwards. And Aaron Gordon is definitely a large contributing member to that. 41 points. That's a career high for him. Yeah, Aaron Gordon's trying to trying to prove out here that he's not going to be an NBA journeyman. He wants to get paid um, next year. So Orlando Magic got to be paying attention to these numbers. Yeah, and, and then uh, last but not least, Hassan Whiteside on opening night, 26 points, 22 rebounds on 61% shooting versus the Magic. Man. Yeah. 20s, man, those, those are always get me. Those are so crazy. Yeah, and I made a note here that those are Shaquille O'Neal numbers. I mean, these are the type of numbers that you saw from a dominant guy like Shaquille O'Neal. And for Hassan Whiteside to come out here and put throw these numbers up, that is impressive as hell. It's a little shame that he's now hurt, and we who knows when we'll be seeing him again, hopefully in the next week or two, because um, this is a solid start. And, I mean, if he keeps if he keeps that up and he has several performances like that, Man, the Miami Heat might actually be making some noise in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Yeah, I mean, we expect them to make the playoffs, too, with just the deep lineup they have with Deion Waiters, Drogic, Whiteside, and all those other guys. They got a lot of great role players there. But, yeah, hopefully Whiteside can just get healthy soon. I want to see some more 2020s from this guy. I agree. Yeah, and knocking on the door as well as the Orlando Vucevic, who we were all just talking about earlier from the Orlando Magic, also going 41-12-3 against the Brooklyn Nets. Man, yeah, dude, <laughs> Brooklyn Nets, yeah, so two of our performances on here, uh, one of them uh, was on October 20th when or- Orlando played Brooklyn, and then the other one, Aaron Gordon, on the 24th playing Brooklyn, so and Brooklyn's got to work on that defense, man. yeah. So, I mean, here, here are the top performances. Um, who do you think takes the award with um, this week? Oh, man. I've I'm, I'm got to go with Giannis, man. Giannis? Yeah, not just because it's the highest point total, but he did it across every stat. And 
Mm-hmm. The dude's just so dominant when he does it, too. Like, he just looks like a man out there. Yeah, I agree. I'm going with Giannis as well. Giannis, I just the way he does it, man, it's just like he shows his athleticism out there. He shows his competitiveness, um, and he's he's carrying his team to some wins. Would you say that he's the most interesting player to watch play right now? Oh, hands down. Yeah, I would um, agree. I mean, for in the in a good way, yeah. Because I mean, Markel Fultz's shooting form is interesting as well in a bad way. Too. <laughs> yeah, in a bad way, right? <laughs> I guess on the good side of things, most interesting. Yeah, Giannis, uh, for sure. I mean, the guy just like he looks like just like a man amongst boys. The way he just drives that ball to the basket, um, mm-hmm. he's playing really well. Yeah, and like I said, MVP candidate. Definitely. Yeah, moving on to the disappointing performances of the week um, i'm actually excited for this segment this takes a little more research because it's gotta go through the box scores and look for these trash performances from these guys so starting off we got a great one stick johnson detroit pistons against the hornets in 40 minutes zero for 13 the field. Oh. zero for six three-pointers two points overall got three throws in there Oh my gosh! I think that's that the worst shooting performance I've ever seen. <laughs> that is horrendous. But I mean, I I know a little bit about Stanley Johnson. I picked oh, him yeah? up on fantasy last year, and <laughs> this is this is un this is not uncharacteristically for, char- characteristic of him. Uh, he's a streaky shooter, but he actually attempted. Thir- I've never seen him attempt more than that, more than ten. 10 shots but for him to actually go over for 13 <laughs> yeah he just oh, kept jacking him up there like at what point are you just like man i just shouldn't ever shoot anymore <laughs> yeah i don't know and he played 40 minutes what's going on over there stan van gundy i guess you Apparently have no other choice but defense. to play four steals there uh, that makes up for a little bit i guess so yeah that is that is a stat line for sure. That's one he probably wants to forget. But yeah. some some guy who's actually pretty talented is Russell Westbrook, who made this list to go two for eleven for six points Ooh. and seven turnovers and a minus eighteen point differential in that game against the Jazz that the Jazz crushed OKC in. Mm-hmm. I don't he I I didn't know that he was capable of these bad performances, but I guess when you're on a team and you don't feel like you always have to be that first option. Um, your numbers are definitely prone to dipping a lot. Yeah, this is kind of like the Russell Westbrook we used to see back in like a couple years ago, maybe like five five years ago, five or six years ago when he first started the league. These were kind of his numbers before he got that pull-up shot down and he was just kind of out of control throwing that ball around. Um, so, I mean, hopefully this doesn't become a norm for him. Yeah, I mean, Get back he, to those triple-doubles. <laughs> no, he's still got two triple-doubles so far, so not too concerned about him, but... Yeah, that was a pretty bad one. Yeah, so this is one that I found that I thought was pretty funny. Dwight Howard goes for eight points, <laughs> but the stand that was something that stands out on that stat line. He goes zero for nine from the free oh, throw line. Zero oh, 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 oh for nine, <laughs> but That's he makes so up bad. for it somewhat with twenty with a monster twenty-two rebounds. Oh, okay. So, oh, so that's a that's not too bad at the end of the day. Twenty-two rebounds is a ton. Yeah, that, those free throws are awful. Yeah, I mean, you go over nine, and like, let's just remember that at the free throw line, there are no defenders in front of you, <laughs> and you can take your time. It ain't but free, still, apparently. Yeah, I guess so. I wonder, like, um, I wonder how many people can make a free throw before Dwight Howard if we, they were to redo that over again. <laughs> <You> inst- <laughs> I think I could make one. 
Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I, I think I can make throws. one. I'm really bad at free throw. I'm really bad at shooting in general, but I'm really, really bad at free throws. Yeah. So with the most disappointing performance out of all these guys, I, I got to go with Stanley yeah. Johnson. He's yeah. 0 for 13. I mean, Dwight Howard goes 0 for 9 from the free throw line, but he has those 22 rebounds. With Stanley Johnson 0 for 13. Oh. Yeah, man. That, I got to agree with you. That that stood out to me the most. I was like, man, 0 for 13? Really? Like, you trying to shoot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, horrible. But despite those horrible performances that we might see on TV sometimes, here's a final thought. So this first week, uh, TNT and ESPN deliver the second most viewed opening week in NBA history with 2.9 million viewers average and an NBA arena attendance up by 18,534 fans um, on average. So, yep. So quite a bit more people are going to games and quite a bit more quite a bit number of people are still watching the nba might not be a record performance but second most it's pretty damn yeah, good second most is really good and i mean i think this speaks to how crazy the offseason was how the nba kept coming up in the news despite the fact that baseball is in full swing football season started before the nba season uh but people are still talking about basketball as if it was mm-hmm. in mid-season form and I think, yeah, everyone just wanted to jump on the bandwagon. I think you're just seeing basketball in general becoming more and more popular of a sport, uh, potentially yeah. overtaking any other sport in America. Well, we'll see about that, but that would be quite something. But anyways, yeah, I think it speaks. I think it's great news considering that I think a lot of people want to ride off the NBA because it seems like the Warriors might be the clear-cut winner of this coming year. But there's storylines to follow, and anything's possible. I mean, Hell, then Brooklyn Nets and the Orlando Magic might qualify for the playoffs. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy thing crazier things have happened. But yeah, I think yeah, just the the social media presence that basketball players have, the the trash talk that you see between like John Wall and Lonzo Ball. I think mm-hmm. all the personalities that you see in basketball, you don't really get in other sports quite the same. So yeah, I think it's just a lot more fun. I think people are just really enjoying uh, what the modern NBA looks like compared to these other sports. I agree. So here's a final question to get a final reaction. How much of this can you credit to love our ball? Oh, <laughs> honestly, a small amount. Yeah, he, he does contribute. I agree. I yeah. have to agree as much as I don't want to. LeVar Ball has been one hell of a promoter uh, for the Los Angeles Lakers, Lonzo Ball, and the NBA as a whole. Yeah, hats off to you, man. I mean, he continues yeah. to impress. He spoke that uh, went against the Wizards into existence. Like, he does it every time without... It's unbelievable. <laughs> he does. He does. It's hate. It's hard to hate a guy like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not like he's hurting anybody either. He's just having fun, and we like making fun of him. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. That's it for this episode of the Dwight Chocolate NBA podcast. Well, we, we will be back next week breaking down another week of NBA performances and NBA news. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and listen to us on SoundCloud. Tune in. Um, everything. Our, everything. Yeah, we might <laughs> even be on. We're going to be on YouTube pretty soon with our uh, video podcast of the opening week. Yeah, we'll be posting that on Facebook. But, yeah, have a good week, guys. Watch some basketball and uh, be safe out there.